Hey there, Pulse Check listeners. This is Jeremy Siegel continuing our special series on the coronavirus outbreak. Earlier this week, Florida Governor Ron DeSantis held a press conference. It was almost like it was a political rally, not a typical uh, governor's press conference. That's Gary Finau, a Politico reporter based in Tallahassee who watched as DeSantis stood in front of a cheering crowd and announced that he plans to fine local governments in the state thousands of dollars if they require employees to be vaccinated. If a government agency in the state of Florida uh, forces uh, a vaccine as a condition to employment, that violates Florida law. And you will face... Now, the anti-mandate presser wasn't exactly surprising to Gary. It's in line with what DeSantis has been pushing for weeks. But something else happened that day that did. DeSantis invited a couple workers who were opposed to vaccine mandates to also talk during the presser. And one of the people said uh, that it changes your RNA. A conspiracy theory being espoused by a guy standing at a podium with the state seal on it, directly next to the governor. The vaccine changes your RNA, so for me, that's a problem. RNA vaccines do not interact with your RNA or DNA at all, but DeSantis didn't correct him. In fact, he just went on to shake the guy's hand as the crowd cheered. Thank you, Governor. And... This caught everyone by surprise in terms of, you know, Ron DeSantis, who has been a strong supporter of vaccines, uh, finds himself uh, getting more and more aligned with anti-vaxxers. Today on the show, we're talking with Gary about how and why Florida's governor has gone from vaccine spokesman to conspiracy theory bystander. Before we go any further, I just want to ask, why is this important? Like, why should we care nationally about DeSantis and what he says and doesn't when it comes to COVID? Because I think that Ron DeSantis right now, barring Trump running again, I think that DeSantis is clearly the front runner for 2024. I think all the polls show that. They show that he has gotten a lot of national attention. He's on Fox News constantly. He's he's been ostensibly raising money for his reelection campaign, but he's been hitting a lot of states. He was in Nebraska this past weekend. He's been to California. He's been to Wisconsin. He's been to Pennsylvania. He's become a hot ticket. I mean, a lot of Republicans across the country are viewing him as a potential heir to Trump. So what happens in Florida, which is also the third largest state in the nation, it could have ramifications well into 2024, if DeSantis remains his position as a presumed frontrunner and challenger uh, to Biden, so I mean, I think I mean I think there's a lot of evidence to show that he is viewed as the one of the leading Republican voices of opposition now, even though he's a governor. But if you see all the attention he's gotten, I mean, he, he's getting more attention than I would say Kevin McCarthy, who who could probably become the the next Speaker of House uh, in 2022. So that's why I think people need to pay attention. And, and the other thing, I don't want to diminish this, is DeSantis has become sort of a foil for other Democrats as well. Gavin Newsom in California, who just survived a recall attempt. I mean, there was a lot of his people who were saying, uh, you know, don't DeSantis my California. Don't bring DeSantis 
type COVID policies to Florida. So he's becoming more and more a presence in the Republican Party. He's becoming a national uh, brand. And so I think what happens here is is going to have reverberations. So let's talk about DeSantis's kind of transformation here, because you mentioned the surprise you felt when he stood shoulder to shoulder with someone telling lies about vaccines at an anti-vaccine mandate announcement earlier this week. How have we seen DeSantis transform on this? So the beginning of this year, the governor was gung-ho about vaccines. I mean, he was even at the White House for an event on Operation Warp Speed last uh, winter, went to the White House and talked to the White House about the vaccine distribution. I would always tell my folks, uh, we hope we get a vaccine, but you should definitely not count on it because it's ambitious. It hasn't happened before. So the fact that it is, that's a great testament to Operation Warp Speed and all the work that so many people have done. So we couldn't, as soon as the Pfizer news came out, I flew up and met with you at Warp Speed, and I told my folks, uh, we we already been planning for it, but I was like, we got a better sense of the timeline. Uh, let's make sure that we're leading from the front. We really wanted to embrace this. I know other... And then he held all these uh, events across the state. They set up pop-up clinics. So he was very much promoting the vaccine, especially among the elderly, which is a large contingent of the population in Florida. The best thing you can do if you haven't uh, gotten the vaccine, particularly if you're somebody who's older, particularly if you have any health problems, is to is to, is to get a shot. So a it is an interesting uh, uh, split screen here to have him going from this position where he was like encouraging people to get vaccines, doing all these efforts to go to, to get vaccines, to where he's at an event where people are now raising conspiracy theories about vaccines. What's behind that shift on vaccines? Well, his administration and the people around him say that basically he's not opposed to vaccines. And and, and let's, let's be clear to point out, he has gotten vaccinated and he has not really said anything negative about the vaccines. He's diluted the message. Fortunately, the state of Florida uh, passed a law this most recent legislative session uh, that did a lot of different things. Um, it, it prevented uh, private businesses from requiring proof of vaccination to just do normal things like go to a movie or go to a restaurant, vaccine passports. Uh, but that also applied uh, to government agencies. And so he has so kind of de-emphasized it. He started to say things like, you know, well, the vaccines haven't worked out the way we thought they would in terms of creating herd immunity. I think we had assumed that it would provide more sterilizing immunity. And so the positive tests and people are like, well, why, why is this happening? I was vaccinated. It shouldn't happen. And, and all I can tell you is what the data we see and, and the, the hospitals we talk to uh, all point that, that this is helping reduce dramatically mortality, particularly. Or he, he keep, he's talked rates. about breakthrough, uh, uh, breakthrough infections and things of that nature. So, again, he's not said anything completely anti, but it's still been an evolution. And so the question is, well, what caused this evolution? Is it because there is an element within the Republican base that is skeptical of vaccines? Is it because uh, former President Donald Trump got booed when he mentioned vaccines at a recent rally in Alabama? I recommend taking the vaccines. I did it. It's good. Take the vaccines. But you got no, that's OK. That's all right. You got your freedoms. His administration insists, no, he's anti-mandate. He's not anti-vaccine. But it's been an interesting juxtaposition from where we were at the start of the year till now. I guess I'm wondering, though, like with talking about breakthroughs, of course, that makes sense. Um, and as an observer with the anti-mandate stances, you can see how the politics of that 
can totally make sense, especially when you consider people you might be trying to win the support of as a future presidential contender appealing to notions of, of choice with it. But misinformation is a totally different beast, right? When it comes to a deadly pandemic, like how do you as a reporter parse the difference between politics and the dangers of conspiracies when it's a governor standing side by side with someone talking about conspiracies? Well, I mean, I I did want to point out that he was asked about this on Tuesday. And then on Tuesday, he said, well, I don't remember the person saying that. And this is a guy he stood right next to talking at his press conference. Right. And then he said, and it was something I would never say. I mean, when he's been asked about vaccines, he's said, well, you know, I did 50 plus events uh, at the beginning of the year promoting vaccines. But again, I mean, it's just, I know that we quote a health expert in our story that, that says this mixed messaging can cause problems because you can create doubt and anxiety among people when you do not seem to be as strong on message as you once were. Hmm. So public health wise, why is that so important in Florida right now? What is the COVID situation there? Well, what you have is a situation where uh, the Delta variant uh, may have gone on longer and caused more uh, illnesses and deaths than maybe the administration was anticipating. When the Delta variant first began to uh, affect the Floridians, the governor said that it was it was it was a it was a wave like the wave that they had had in the summer of 2020, and that he expected it to uh, start to diminish in August, like it had the previous year. And that's not really what happened. And in fact, Florida reached record highs in terms of the numbers of infections and in terms of the number of hospitalizations. It's hard to get a complete snapshot of the situation with fatalities, but suffice to say, roughly uh, 10,000 people have been added to the, the total tally for deaths since late July. And that's about 20% of Florida's overall death total. And clearly there are some dynamics here. I mean, you, you have, uh, the hospitals have reported that a lot of the people who were, in fact, uh, showing up were unvaccinated. And the governor's response to the uh, the rise was initially sort of, you know, continued to stay the course. Then in August, uh, he did begin to promote monoclonal antibody treatments. And the state began to stand up antibody treatment centers all across, you know, places from from the northern part of the state to the southern part of the state. And they basically did that and said, look, we're trying to provide this alternative to people because even if they get vaccinated now, they could get sick and 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 it would be before the vaccine would take effect. So the governor really has put all his emphasis uh, on that in terms of the last few weeks. Now, what we've seen is it appears that maybe a crest has been reached. Uh, cases are beginning to go down. Hospitalizations are beginning to go down. And that's happened within the last one to two weeks. So maybe maybe the rough patch is over. But still, it's it's sort of like you have all these health experts who say, look, we're just afraid that it will happen again unless more people get vaccinated. Uh, overall, about 55% of all Floridians are totally vaccinated. So when I say all Floridians, that does include children who, of course, if you're under the age of 12, you're not eligible for the vaccine. And And Florida overall is better than the rest of the Southeast. Only Virginia has a higher vaccination rate at this point in time. 
But still, 55%, um, there are obviously other states uh, that are higher, uh, including states such as California and, and Virginia and places like that. Before I let you go, is there anything that you, as a longtime Florida reporter, as a person living in Tallahassee right now, you know, anything that you think people observing from outside of Florida or reporting on this situation from outside of Florida aren't getting or should know about or nuance that's lost in these discussions of it? I would say a couple of things to understand about DeSantis. Uh, DeSantis is very much uh, an ally of President Trump and had a good relationship with Trump. But I think people should understand um, this is a person who is very much um, keeps his own counsel on on these things. And he's just not I mean, there may be things that he does that appear to be following the Trump playbook, but he also does things uh, that are sort of his own volition and his own direction. And I, I he is someone like, for instance, on the whole covid matter, um, he very much reads a lot of material and research about it. And he will often quote this study or that study. Now, there are people who say that he doesn't quite accurately reflect what those studies may say. And that's a debate among people who are more well-versed in healthcare policy. But but the fact of the matter is, is he will cite different studies and he will talk about them. And when you go into his office, he will have all this information uh, about COVID and about things. And so now he's also you know, enlisted uh, people on his cause who very much have a different mindset than people like Dr. Fauci. And of course, he has actually used uh, his campaign apparatus to go after Fauci. You know, his campaign sold T-shirts that said, don't Fauci my Florida. Uh, so he's basically, you know, definitely set himself up as a, as a, as a continued, you know, opponent to uh, federal health authorities of that sort. But, but what I want people to understand is you should not assume – you should not make certain assumptions about him and his intellect and things of that nature. But again, he, he, he's, he's very combative. He is very aggressive about people who criticize him and, and he goes after the media if they write stories that he disagrees with. Uh, so that's you know I guess somewhat Trump-like. But he's not, he's not necessarily just Trump Jr. And I think sometimes there's a simplistic way of looking at him where people want to view him in that, in that light. All right, that's the show for this week. I'm Jeremy Siegel, and big thanks to Gary Finout from Politico's Florida team for joining me. Gary authors the Florida Playbook newsletter. You can find that at politico.com slash newsletters and in this episode's show notes. Also, be sure to check out our new podcast, Global Insider, which just launched this week. Just search for Global Insider wherever you get podcasts and press subscribe. Also, be sure to subscribe to this podcast, Pulse Check, if you haven't yet. And if you can, leave us a rating and review. That'll help new people find the show. Pulse Check's senior editor is Raghu Manavalan. Our senior producer is Jenny Ament. And our executive producer is Irene Noguchi. Thanks so much for listening, and we'll see you soon.